Today on the Southern California Real Estate Report, we talk about rent control. Stay tuned. Good morning. Welcome to Southern California Real Estate Report. This is Bob McGuire and Daniel Wise coming to you from San Diego, California. So rent control back in the news. So there's a, uh, there's, there's a group of organizers that are going out to try and expand the current rent control laws. And in doing so, they would like to eliminate Costa Hawkins. Costa Hawkins was created for those of you that, that aren't familiar with that. It was a, a, a legislation piece that was that was put through the state assembly um, back in the mid '90s, and uh, basically what it did is it allowed for a, a decentralization of of rent control. In other words, when a rent controlled unit came back on the market after the rent controlled tenant had moved out, it allowed you to bring that market unit that unit back to market. And then it also exempted some of the properties as well. So single family homes, condos, and um, some properties that fell into different categories. So is it true? Is anything after 95 uh, developed after 95? I think it was 96. Or yes, it is 95. That's right. So anything that was built after 95 was also exempt. Yeah. Yeah. Controlled. It's sometimes may have already acquired. Uh, Actually, it's 96. Okay, 96. Excuse yeah. us. Yep. Excuse me. And so so the cities look at rent controls like a, sort of a form of police power, right? That this is something that they should be able to control within their city based on supply and demand and renter demands and things like that. I I think the laws right now are are fair. I think they're set up in a way that um you know, it allows for it so one of the things that's probably driving this right now is this post-pandemic situation that we're in. And that is that economically, there's a lot of inflation. Uh, CPI is part of the current rent control laws. And therefore, because that that piece uh, is, is part is. of the way that landlords can increase rent, it's allowing landlords to go out and and increase rent at a maximum rate of about 10%. 10% is the ceiling on the current law. So what they want to do is they want to eliminate basically cost of Hawkins. So it would, it would affect all single family homes. It would basically affect every, in, in the world that they're going after, it's basically all real estate, more or less. All um, residential real all estate. All residential. That's right. All residential. Yeah. You know, it, uh, it's something that, uh, you know, there's two schools of thought on the, uh, on this right now. Renters probably feel like they're they're kind of taking it in the shorts a little bit because you know the the rent control um, the rent control laws currently are not actually working in their favor because yeah, we've because got of this really heightened CPI right now because of inflation. That's right. So what we might see eventually is once we and exit out of this inflationary period is that that CPI that 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 kind of Magic number because it's it's four percent or is it five percent plus CPI? It's five plus CPI. So it's five at a max of ten. Right. So right now CPI 
we just looked at it, it's, it's about 6.4%. I think the biggest thing is, too, that's right, yeah, CPI is 6.4, but also something to add to this is most of this is, is centered around multifamily. Right, but like an average CPI from the years that, that I've at least been in this business is around like 2 or 3%. That's right. So if you think about it that way, and right now we're thing. in a ra- very inflationary period, which is – Increasing the likelihood that that landlords are going to try to get the max rent increase before our CPI goes back down to that kind of relatively normal two or three percent period. And, and here's the thing: look, not saying that some landlords don't benefit more from others, and you know, but also expenses have gone up as well. So, you know, our cost of material has gone up tremendously. Labor costs are going up for different vendors, right. you know, so, the, so there's, because CPI, neither is, side really has control, right. right? Well, and remember CPI is the consumer price index. Yeah. So it is essentially the cost of goods currently. Yeah, it's How a much basket it, of goods that, right. you know, basically are measured to, to give you kind of an economic indicator of, of, of it's a, it's a way to, to sort of measure inflationary. Exactly. You know, so if you think about it, it, it's 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 across, and I think that's kind of your point. It's across all boards, right? So if it's it's six point four percent across many different platforms, which means yes, labor costs are going up, food costs are going up, all these things are are, are going up. Yeah, material costs are going Some up. Some more than others, because remember the CPI is an average of all this. So you know, for example, we saw material costs in some areas, like our, as an example. Vinyl plank flooring, which is used in many, many different types of rental properties and any kind of real estate for that matter, especially here in San Diego, um, just due to the fact that we live near beaches. There's a lot of sand and dust and things like that in this town. So it's one of those things that it's a very popular material. The prices of that have tripled. So it's not like it went up 6%. It went up. 220%. 220%. And, and that is a direct... From refl- 2019. Right. And that's a direct uh, reflection of what happened through the pandemic with supply and dem- or supply right. chain issues that we had. Right. So, you know, so there's a balance here, right? California is expensive. California has very high rents. We all kind of get that. But we look at these rent control laws and, you know, any time you're curtailing economic incentive, then ultimately it may be a short-term benefit that the renters will feel like, hey, there's justice in the world and, you know, we're getting a, a, a better deal in their minds of having a little bit more controlled housing, but not allowing for development to occur. The biggest problem that we have is not with the price of rents, it's with the supply of rental units. This does not create more rental units. What this does is it puts a chokehold on economic incentive and therefore landlords respond accordingly and they no longer invest into their real estate and kind of the condition of real estate tends to deteriorate and then you have problems, you have the same supply problems that you have because new money will not come in and refresh the existing housing stock it becomes it becomes more curtailed and and then you have you know this this long term problem that then turns into kind of you know health and safety issues and things like that because people just you know the money will kind of dry up because there's no economic incentive to invest so i think there needs to be a balance 
And I think we need to find what that is. I know you've had opinions in the past that, you know, rents cannot continue to climb. I tend to agree with that. I think wages need to be increased. So it's a very complex problem. What happens is with these laws is these laws are very draconian. They're, you know, if you have a move out, you can only increase your rent by so much. So the reason why this is all coming back is because of the rent control law that originally got passed a couple of years ago, right? That, that somewhat and so everybody it. It did. And so between COVID and everything else, what happens is now is that any time that we go to a landlord, so prior to this rent control hitting the books, you and I would agree that our typical annual rent increase was somewhere around 3 to 5%. Yeah, 3 to yeah. And everybody felt really comfortable and we, we felt, but now when the laws are constantly changing, everybody's knee jerk. And so the immediate response is, well, I better do 10% because I may not be able to get it again next year when the laws change. Or if the laws are going to be attacked every four years, then it, it, it sort of puts everybody on their heels and, and it makes everyone overreact. And so, you know, I, I understand that right now, you know, rents have gone up quite a bit, but it's also a supply and demand thing. And so if there was more housing available, if there were more permits that could be pulled in a more expeditious fashion, if if the cities and the counties and those that do the approvals could staff up more and, and move things through quicker, if master plans could get updated so that zoning was fast-tracked and things like that, there are a number of different things that can be done to improve the overall housing stock and to create economic incentive for developers given government's not good at building housing. Look at what it costs to build homeless things on the street. We're talking like millions of dollars for tents. So what would they do if they had to provide apartments? I mean, you're talking millions of dollars per door. I mean, it just doesn't make economic sense. And then you're trying to create subsidy around that, which doesn't make sense. So, you know, private private investment is what drives housing. And and you know housing is is a very touchy subject subject it's it's a it's a hot button in our city as well with a lot of people and you know we uh we we feel very strongly that you know having more supply will hopefully you know feed the demand and that's really what needs to be worked on and you know putting Putting a lot of thought and a lot of effort onto that side of the equation is what needs to happen. We we look at a lot of the the things that we see with the cities. We deal with the cities a lot. But, you know, I I wish that the cities were were more well run and that there was more focus on governing the the operations of the city and not reaching out for these big economic heavy-handed incentives that without a, a full understanding of how it affects the private enterprise world and how that affects, you know, future housing and how do how do the economics of real estate really work, you know? How much of the real estate in our city is tied to, you know, pension funds and all sorts of different things that 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 has an effect. So there is a balance here that has to be accomplished. I know that, you know, renters want to feel like they're getting more for their money or or have a fairer chance at at living in the areas that they want to live in. So we'll keep our eyes on this. There's going to be a couple of really important uh, ballot initiatives that are trying to be pushed for 2024. 
Um, so this is one of them. These are being put out by uh, by two two groups. Um, and like we said, this would repeal Costa Hawkins. This is a big deal. If you're a real estate owner, you should get up to speed on this. Danielle can uh, post the link to this article. This is a CoStar article. So these are are mostly coming out of organizations that are that are based in Los Angeles. And, uh, you know, there's going to be some some heavy pushback and probably a lot of lobbying. And then the other one that they're trying to repeal is the mansion tax in L.A. For those of you that aren't familiar with the mansion tax, that's kind of a big deal. So right now, the mansion tax, which is going to go into effect in April, would apply a 4% transfer tax on all properties sold or transferred in L.A. over $5 million. A 5.5% transfer tax would be levied on properties sold or transferred for more than $10 million, whereas the current rate is basically 0.45%. So it's it's a little less than a half percent. They're going to increase that by a lot, four and a half percent. I mean, you're talking about a two hundred thousand dollar tax, um, two hundred fifty thousand dollar tax. So that's a big deal too. And here here's another thing to think about and to really watch in L.A. over this summer, and that is, you know, look at the high end residential market. And I know people will say, well, God, you know, those people have so much money, it doesn't matter. But again. Real estate relies on movement, and movement is what drives the the economy. It's what keeps people employed. There's a lot of construction jobs. There's many many jobs that are that are surrounded by this industry, and this is going to stop. People are going to they're just not going to sell. Yeah. And it, it, you know, wealthy people uh, they don't get wealthy from being dumb, and it may seem like a small tax to the average person, but. People are just going to – they're just not going to sell. And so that's going to ultimately end up kind of slowing the market down as well. So we'll see how that goes. Hopefully um, there is a better balance to this, and I hope that whatever this ballot measure – we haven't seen it, so we'll review that. We'll keep an eye on this cost to Hawkins. And then um, there's also an Office Conversion Act that's being proposed as well. So those are the three big ones for 2024, and hopefully we'll talk about those, those more as the year goes on. Uh, Thanks for listening today. This has been the Southern California Real Estate Report.